we bought an old house, my boyfriend and I. He's in charge of the new construction, converting the kitchen into the master bedroom, for instance, while I'm on wallpaper removal duty. The previous owner papered every wall and ceiling. Removing it is brutal, but oddly satisfying. The best feeling is getting a long pill, similar to your skin when you're peeling from a sunburn. I don't know about you, but I kind of make a game of peeling on the hunt for the longest piece before it rips. Under a corner section of paper in every room is a person's name and date. Curiosity got the best of me one night when I googled one of the names and discovered the person was actually missing. The missing date matching the date under the wallpaper. The next day, I made a list of all the names and dates. Sure enough, each name was for a missing person with dates to match. We notified the police who naturally sent out the crime scene team. I overheard one of the texts saying, yep, it's human. Human? What's human? Ma'am, where is the material you removed from the walls already? This isn't wallpaper you were removing. I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. My parents constantly try to explain to me how sick he is and that I am lucky for having a brain where all the chemicals flow properly to their destinations like an undammed river. When I complain about how bored I am without a little brother to play with, they try to make me feel bad by pointing out that his boredom likely far surpasses mine, considering he's confined to a dark room in an institution. I always beg for them to give him one last chance. Of course, they did it first. Charlie has been back home several times, each shorter in duration than the last. Every time, without fail, it all starts again. The neighborhood cats with gouged-out eyes showing up in his toy chest. My dad's razors found dropped on the baby slide in the park across the street. Mom's vitamins replaced by bits of dishwasher tablets. My, my parents are hesitant now, using last chances, sparingly. They said his disorder makes him charming, makes it easy for him to fake normalcy, and to trick the doctors who care for him into thinking he is ready for rehabilitation, that I will just have to put up with my boredom if it means staying safe from him. I hate it when Charlie has to go away. It makes me feel like I have to pretend to be good until he is back. Guardians he awoke to the huge insect-like creatures looming over his head and screamed his lungs out. They hastily left the room and he stayed up all night, shaking and wondering if it had been a dream. The next morning, there was a tap on the door. Gathering his courage, he opened it to see one of them gently place a plate filled with fried breakfast on the floor, then retreat to a safe distance. Bewildered, he accepted the gift. The creatures chittered excitedly, 
This happened every day for weeks. At first, he was worried. They were fattening him up. But after a particularly greasy breakfast left him clutching his chest from heartburn, they were replaced with fresh fruit. As well as cooking, they poured hot, steamy baths for him and even tucked him in when he went to bed. It was bizarre. One night, he awoke to gunshots and screaming. He raced downstairs to find a decapitated burglar being devoured by the insects. He was sickened, but disposed of the remains as best as he could. He knew they had just been protecting him. One morning, the creatures wouldn't let him leave his room. He lay down, confused but trusting, as they ushered him back into bed. Whatever their motives were, they weren't going to hurt him. Hours later, a burning pain spread throughout his body. It felt like his stomach was filled with razor wire. The insects chittered as he spasmed and moaned. It was only when he felt terrible, squirming, feeling beneath his skin that he realized the insects hadn't been protecting him. They had been protecting their young. Seeing red. Everyone loves the first day of school, right? New year, new classes, new friends. It's a day full of potential and hope. Before all the dreary depressions of reality show up to ruin all the fun, I like the first day of school for a different reason, though. You see, I have a sort of power. When I look at people, I can sense a sort of aura around them, a colored outline based on how long that person has to live. Most everyone I meet around my age is surrounded by a solid green hue which means they have plenty of time left. A fair amount of them have a yellowish-orange tinge to their auras, which tends to mean a car crash or some other tragedy. Anything that takes people before their time, as they say. The real fun is when the auras venture into the red end of the spectrum. Though, every now and again, I'll see someone who's basically a walking stoplight. Those are the ones who get murdered, or kill themselves. It's such a rush to see them and know their time is numbered. With that in mind, I always get to class very early so I can scout out my classmates' fates. The first kid who walked in was basically radiating red. Chuckled to myself. Too bad. But as people kept walking in, they all had the same intense glow. I finally caught a glimpse of my rose-tinted reflection in the window. But I was too stunned to move. Our professor stepped in and locked the door. His aura, a sickening shade of green. This happened yesterday at the time of writing. So I'm just getting this all written down before something happens. If you don't hear from me, don't come looking. You'll likely be next. Some context now. I run a volunteer radio station show at my campus. The oldest in Canada. 
you know the one if you're a local or Googling, but I don't really want to write down its name. We have over a hundred volunteer run shows running at any given time, so finding one that didn't that I hadn't listened to on air before isn't really all that unexpected of an event. Including the syndicated shows. I think we run over 130 shows a week. Anyways, point is, I've got a radio station in my bedroom, and I like listening to the radio station before I sleep. I've recently discovered what a mistake that is. At roughly 1 a.m. yesterday morning, unable to sleep, I heard a show I'd never heard before. I don't know what it is called, because there was no announcer, and the broadcast schedule listed is rebroadcast, which is usually reserved for rebroadcasting recordings of the day shows. At first, I thought it was radia, which I really have no idea how to describe, but that only plays on Saturday evenings. To get to the point, this show was harrowing to listen to. I could hear the familiar sounds of a live show on the station. I've been doing a show long enough to recognize the minimal background noise, the manipulation of the mouse to operate Megaseg, our SIG program, and the click of various bits of equipment being manipulated to optimize, optimize volume and leveling for broadcast. That's where the familiarity ended. Though, because a voice came over the air, I didn't recognize as one of the normal station hosts. It was completely neutral. No notes of femininity or masculinity. Not that that means anything, but it was unnerving. Welcome, my dear listeners, to my show. If you're listening, you already know what we do here. If you're new... Congratulations on stumbling upon the newest radio obsession that's sweeping the nation. This show doesn't have a name, but it certainly does have a purpose, and hopefully we'll be able to change the way you see the world. They paused and chuckled at this, and I heard some muffled whimpering in the background. Now before we get started, I'd like to introduce you to our guest. There was a sound of tape being ripped off of something, followed by some incoherent screaming, which was extremely loud in the slightest moments before the levels of the mic were adjusted. Judging by the background noise off that mic, they were probably in the booth rather than the control room. Well now, that's not very nice to our listeners, dear guest. Since she's not going to introduce herself, her name is Meredith. She used to be a devout listener like most, if not all of you, and now we've invited her to join in on the show. I should have turned off the radio right then. I heard the sound of duct tape being pulled off the roll, followed by its tearing and now muffling of Meredith's panic, crying and screaming. Now, I did try to turn off the radio, but my remote wasn't working. Logically, I got out of bed and pressed off the switch on my unit, and it did nothing. I even unplugged the radio. Knowing that its battery compartment was completely empty, it continued to play. Oh dear, 
It appears that one of our new listeners just tried to tune out of the broadcast. We can't have that. Now, dear Pryor, sit quietly and listen. I was stunned into silence and did as instructed. But the entire time my mind was screaming as my body disobeyed me. Now, let's begin. I don't want to regal you all with the details, but what I heard will haunt me for the rest of my life. I heard this unnamed host narrating as she began to slowly torture Meredith. Her screams muffled by the duct tape and the lowered volume of the mic, but it wasn't enough for the other mic in the booth to pick up the sickening sounds as the host sawed through bone, slowly but surely. From what I saw, the host said, they started at Meredith's toes, clipping them off with some sort of shears, then inch-thick segments of her leg from the ankle up. I sat, transfixed, listening to this torture and completely unable to move, my own will suppressed by something far more sinister. The show lasted for hours, and it wasn't until the last few minutes of the show the host started speaking directly to the audience again. Rather than narrating their atrocities on this poor woman, thank you, my dear loyal listeners, for listening. Meredith says that she thanks you all for listening to her end, and that she hopes one of you will enjoy the privilege of being next. I and my team have already identified our next guest and we'll be welcoming her on next week. Hopefully she'll be more courteous to our audience and given her radio experience, I think she will be. So once more, thank you all for listening and we'll be back this time next week. The radio clicked off after that. Having been unplugged, I was finally able to move again. Still horrified by what I'd listened to, I checked the time, and only an hour had passed. I know for a fact I was listening for at least three hours. Like something compressed time. I don't know. What I do know is this. I'm writing this from the station lounge right now, and there's no blood in the booth. There was a note for me on the console in the control room. I've been scared to read it, so I'm putting it off by writing my account. I contacted the CRTC in the morning, but they told me that nothing of the sort that I described was broadcast from the station. I checked the station archives. Same thing. I'm writing this in case something happens to me, but whatever you do, don't listen to the radio station at night. I just finished reading the note. I'm going to transcribe it in full detail, because I want this to be recorded, just in case. Dear Pryor, thank you for listening to our show. I just wanted to let you know that you're not the only station member who listens. And I expect I'll see you for an interview sometime in the future. You're not our lucky guest next week. But who knows what the future holds. Oh, and by the way, don't contact the CRTC about me again. I know where you 
and your loved ones live. After all, signed, H. I don't know if I'm going to be the next, but I'm hoping that I won't be. If something happens, this will be here, unless they somehow gain access and delete it. But here's what I do know. There's no point in trying to report this, because whoever's running it has some level of power that would just get me killed regardless of what I do. So the best I can do is warn you not to listen. Please, if you want to save yourself from a gruesome death, don't listen to this station after midnight.